Well, a few minutes ago, we began our service by singing the hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. And if you were paying attention to what we were singing, we all admitted something quite true and also quite tragic about ourselves. We admitted to God, we confessed to God that we are, at our core, prone to wander. We sang, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. And isn't that true? Prone to leave the God I love. And that's our problem. Because that's how we're prone. We're prone to wander from God. We're prone to rebel against God. We're prone to sinfulness, every single one of us. And none of us is better than anybody else, and none of us is worse than anybody else. We are all, congratulations, natural-born sinners, and we can't help it. No one has to teach us to sin. No one has to teach us how to rebel. It just comes naturally to us because it's in our sinful nature. If you've ever been a child or watched a child or raised a child, you will know this as well. No one has to teach us. No one has to teach that child how to sin. This is a result and a consequence of the fall, and we can trace it all the way back, all the way back to Genesis 3, when Adam and Eve sinned against God. And ever since then, a pattern was ingrained in our hearts. We're prone to wander over and over and over again. This is our pattern of sin. But God also has a pattern, and his pattern is a pattern of grace. And just as we see our pattern of wandering on display over and over and over again, we also see God's pattern of grace on display over and over again from all the way back as well in Genesis 3. Adam and Eve sin against God. What does God do? God pursues them in their nakedness. And he clothes them with garments not their own. And this pattern of grace, which pursues his people when they wander, and pursues his people even in their rebellion and sin, is a pattern that provides them and us with a covering, most supremely the covering of the cross. We're prone to wander thanks to our nature of sin. God is prone to draw us back to himself thanks to his nature of grace. Our sin met by God's grace. Our sin's wages paid for by God's Son. Our pattern of wandering, your pattern of wandering, my pattern of wandering, broken by God's ultimate pursuit. Lent is not a season intended to make us miserable. As much as some of us might like to think it is, that's not what it's intended for. 
Lent is also not a season intended to just deprive us of things we like doing or things we like eating or things we like drinking. Lent is also not intended to give us a do-over on our failed New Year's resolutions. Some of you that connected with, I can tell. (laughs) Lent is a season intended by the church for centuries now, almost as old as our Nicene Creed. It's intended by the church to provide a pattern of returning or we could use the word repentance, a pattern of repentance and returning for people who are stuck in patterns of sin. We are all different people here today. We have different stories, different struggles, different situations. But one thing that I can say equally about all of us That is not just equally true, but abundantly true about each person here, as different as we are, is that we are all sinners, and we all need a Savior. And so God invites us all during this season of Lent to say once again to our God of grace, so here's my heart, Lord, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. I'm a sinner. I need a savior. And this is a pattern of repentance for people who get stuck in patterns of sin. Our nature of sin, once again covered by his nature of grace. This invitation into Lent, this invitation to return to God by way of his grace even over and over and over again. And I want to highlight that for some of you. Maybe it's your first time in church in a long time and you think, could God be tired of my pattern? Could God be kind of sick of me at this point and coming back again? No, he's not. God is never tired of you. You come to him again tonight, perhaps over and over and over again. And God's invitation to himself tonight on Ash Wednesday comes to us in a shocking manner. The imposition of ashes on our forehead in the shape of a cross. God gets personal with us today. He wants to speak to us today and I believe he wants to use that shocking sign on our foreheads to send us a message. First, through the ashes themselves, The substance speaks a message. The ashes, the substance speaks a message. And it's a message we can trace back once again to Adam and Eve's sin in the garden. God had formed them from the dust, you'll remember. God had breathed life into them, and yet they rebelled. And yet they sinned. This sin brought upon them and the whole human race the just punishment of God upon sin. And so God said to them in Genesis 3.19, For you are dust, and to dust you shall return. And this is the message spoken over us today by the ashes. A message of our own mortality. A reminder of the wages of our sin. The first few words of Romans 6.23 tell us plainly, For the wages of sin is what? 
to death. All sin. The major sins that you see on the news, the mediocre sins that you might need to apologize about when you're called out on it, the minor sins that maybe no one knows or no one sees. The wages of sin is death. This is where our sin leads us. It's where our bodies are headed to death. Our reading from 2 Corinthians 5, Paul put into words what we all feel about our bodies. We all feel this about our bodies. He describes them like they're tents, but not just like tents. It's interesting. He describes them like tents that groan. Does anybody here tonight feel like their body is a groaning tent? That's a lot of hands. For in this tent we groan, he writes in 2 Corinthians 5, 2. We groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. We're all sinners. We're all fallen people living in fallen bodies. And these fallen bodies groan and long. And so God gets personal with us today and he invites us to look at our own mortality, to look our own sinfulness in the face, to do business with it. Because we are so very good at distracting ourselves and we can distract ourselves to death. And so God invites us through these ashes and through this season of Lent to look seriously at the seriousness of our sin and repent of it. Maybe there's some things you need to let go of. Maybe there's some things you need to crucify in your life. Maybe there's some things you need to take on. Maybe there's some new rhythms you can try out. Lent is an invitation to look seriously at these things to look seriously, again, at the seriousness of our sin and repent of it. Here's my heart, Lord. Take and seal it over and over and over again. Seal it for thy courts above because all sin is fatal. All sin leads to hell. And all of us here watching online are sinners And the substance speaks a message about where it leads. The substance speaks. The ashes speak. Death leads us downward. Sin leads us downward in a downward spiral. Our new bishop, who's only been our bishop now for about four or five days, Chris Warner, shared his testimony with our diocese several months ago, uh, and he He shared a story, uh, kind of growing out of a difficult childhood, growing out of being in a broken family, uh, how in high school and college he got pulled into the world of the Grateful Dead hippie drug culture. And I'd like to share with you in Bishop Warner's own words about the night God intervened in his life. He writes that one night, quote, I attended a concert at RFK Stadium in Washington, D.C., and things came to a head. During the show, I had an overwhelming conviction that my life was crumbling and I needed to get out. 
As I started to leave the stadium, fear and spiritual darkness overcame me so that I could hardly move. Suddenly it lifted and I knew that Jesus was standing next to me. I didn't see anything or hear anything. He was simply there and the fear fled. I had not used drugs. It was not a hallucination. (laughs) As I looked back one last time, I saw a vision of a vortex spinning down into hell with many people dancing their way into darkness while laughing hideously and cursing God as they went. It shook me to the core. I fled the stadium, and while I waited by the car for my friends to return, I knelt and prayed, please, God, help me. I don't know how long I prayed, but my prayer ended with, I love the Lord God, Jesus Christ. God wants to send us a message today, and the substance speaks a message. Your sin, my sin, is a vortex spinning down into hell. And that vortex is full of people laughing and cursing God. Sinners who need a savior. So remember that you are dust, and to dust you shall return. The substance speaks a message, but the shape speaks even louder. The shape reminds us of what we sang earlier, that Jesus sought me when a stranger, wandering from the fold of God, he to rescue me from danger, interposed his precious blood. The substance speaks a message, yes. Hear that message today, but the shape speaks an even louder message. So I implore you, hear that message today. The message of the cross. And Paul said it so very clearly once again in our 2 Corinthians reading, chapter 5, verse 21. For our sake, God made him, Jesus, to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's the same pattern of grace we saw in the Garden of Eden when God clothed those first rebellious sinners with garments not their own. It's the same pattern of grace we see on the cross of Jesus Christ when God clothes all rebellious sinners with a righteousness not their own. Because of that cross, because of that cross, we can look at that spinning vortex, down into hell, with many people dancing their way into darkness. And if we look closely, we see Jesus himself in that vortex, victorious over the vortex, victorious over hell, and he's snatching up sinners for himself, sinners who he has redeemed, sinners like you, And like me, and he says, Yes, remember that you are dust, and to dust you shall return, but God, but also you shall return to me. You belong to me. The substance speaks a message, but the shape speaks an even louder message. Oh, death, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? 
The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. All because of the cross. So, in just a moment, two words are going to be spoken over you. As you come forward and we impose ashes on your forehead, God is going to get personal with each one of you. The substance speaks a message, the gravity of your sin, the gravity of your mortality. Remember, you are dust, and to dust you shall return. But the shape speaks an even louder message, the message of the cross, the greatness of grace, that for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So I invite us once again as a church into this season of Lent, into a pattern of repentance for a people who get stuck in patterns of sin, our nature of sin, met by and covered by his nature of grace. Oh, to grace, how great a debtor. Daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness, like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to thee.